It's that time again to talk a little bit of this Fight Talk podcast. We got one of the most historic UFC pay-per-views we've ever had. I mean, we're talking, what, most fight time in, in UFC history with three over three hours. We're talking three hours of cage time in these fights. We had 11 decisions, so plenty to dive in with, uh, with these titles, with, with Nate Diaz coming back. We're going to talk a little bit about some boxing. We're going to talk a little bit about the PFL. So a lot to get into, Steven Jensen, but uh, but that's a, that's a long way to say it was a very successful weekend once again. Yes, it was. This was an awesome show. Uh, we did the live watch along, myself and Sean Rossap, on the Fightful YouTube channel. So anybody who hears this, I'll be doing those for every UFC show. For the, uh, for the fight nights, we'll probably just do the co-main event and the main events, unless like they're stacked, uh, stacked, um, fight night shows but i'll be there for most of the big stuff for uh, the pay-per-views as well so once again that's uh the fightful youtube channel and i'll have uh revolving guests on i'm gonna have you mo's on obviously um we're having mo's next month because uh, he's got some previous bookings on saturdays so first time we can get him on there is going to be next month but we're going to have <clears throat> a lot of fun on those so uh so check those out and uh and yeah man this this was a really really fun show yeah, it's. I mean, let's let's get going, man. Uh, as mentioned, we had the record eleven decisions on this on this UFC card. That's the most for one event. Uh, three hours, nineteen minutes, thirty two seconds of fight time across the uh, the entire card. Uh, of course, headlined by Israel Adesanya defending, retaining that middleweight title and a dominant performance over Marvin Vittori. Uh, I, with all the, 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 the talk and uh, Vittori seemed very bothered. He got, seemed a little gotten to by the time we were going to get in this cage. Um, I, I was not shocked by this. I, I knew he was going to bring it, but, um, is he very motivated coming off uh, that loss? Of course, in the light heavyweight division, um, dominant as it gets, man, a great, great comeback win here for Izzy in his division. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he looked great. He pretty much outclassed Vittori in every aspect. Like Vittori got a takedown early on. And I thought that might have led to like a lot more success for Vittori in the fight. <coughs> Excuse me. But, uh, but Izzy was able to pretty much get right up right off the ground. There was a lot of times where Vittori was like pressuring Adesanya, <coughs> sorry, geez, Adesanya up against the cage. And, but he couldn't actually like do anything with it. Like Adesanya's takedown defense was really, really good outside of a couple takedowns. And even when he got taken down, he was either right back up or wasn't ever in like any real danger on the ground. There was one part, one, one point very, very briefly, um, he kind of like fell backwards into a rear, <coughs> like a rear naked choke from Adesanya, but, or from a Vittori to Adesanya, but Adesanya was able to get right out of that too. So... Yeah, I mean, honestly, he looked great. Like, he really needed this win coming off the loss to uh, to Jan Blahovich at light heavyweight. So, uh, so yeah, he did exactly what he needed to do. He looked very good. Uh, Vittori threw a lot of strikes at him, yeah. but Adesanya was able to parry and, and dodge pretty much everything significant. So, um, this, is, this is really, I mean, obviously, I guess the best case scenario would have been, uh, you know, a stoppage win for Adesanya. But, uh, you know, outside of that, because perfect scenario, this is pretty much the best that Adesanya could have looked in his return to middleweight. Yeah, split decision win for Izzy the last time. That was the big story coming in. The closest, um, the closest he came to defeat, minus again the uh, the step up of that light heavyweight title fight. 
Uh, so, you know, Vittori very confident, but man, 50-45 across the board. Um, clear cut, Adesanya is the guy here. Vittori got, gets the shot back to the line. Uh, where do you think we go now uh, in the middleweight division for Izzy? So for Izzy, it's got to be Robert Whitaker. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, he's. He, I think that Whitaker was already the number one contender before his last fight. And then Whitaker recently won again. Um, I'm trying to remember the order, but he, I know he beat Darren Till and then he won again more recently over, who was it? It was a good win. Uh, was it Jared Cannonier? I think it was Jared Cannonier. Maybe, yes, it may have been. Um, let me just double check that just for the record. Uh, oh, it was Jared Cannonier and then Calvin Gaslam after that. So it was oh. Till Cannonier and Gaslam. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, because the Gaslam fight was supposed to be Paulo Costa. So, um, so yeah, Whitaker has has definitely done more than enough to get another shot at Adesanya. Um, their first fight, obviously, Adesanya won. It was, what, the first or second round? It was a, yeah. it was a I think it was the first. Like, he, uh, now I gotta double check that, too. Um, just, just for the sake of, uh, of the record here. Whitaker won... Or sorry, Whitaker lost uh, in the second round of that one. And that was a brutal knockout. But like I said, enough time has passed. Adesanya and uh, Whitaker, this, it makes sense. The, now's the time to do it. And Adesanya is also putting that out there in uh, yes. as well. Like Adesanya wants the rematch. He knows that Whitaker's earned it. And Adesanya is also in a position where like, when you look at the top five underneath him, you have Whitaker, Costa, Vittori, Cannoneer, and Brunson. And he's beat all these guys already. I think Brunson included. I think I think he might have beat Brunson before. I know he definitely hasn't fought him for the title, but I think he beat him uh I think he beat him on his way up to the title. I'm gonna double check that now as well. But because otherwise Brunson would be the only guy who he hadn't. Oh yeah, he did. He beat Derek Brunson in 2018. So, so Adesan has literally beaten everybody in the top five already. And he's already beaten, um, the Tory twice. Yep. So like, yeah, I have, you got to do Whitaker a second time. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, that's just, that's just where it's at. I mean, the only, the only person in the division right now that's interesting at all because of how significant it would be, like, especially in their part of the world is if Darren Till could get a, like, I think Darren Till's fighting, um, he's fighting soon. Um, who's he, who's Darren Till fighting next? Darren. Till. Is fighting. The gorilla. Darren Till. He's fighting Brunson next. Okay, that that makes a lot of sense. So, honestly, the winner of that should get next. After, like, Whitaker and Adesanya should fight each other, and then the winner of Darren Till and uh, Derek Brunson should fight Adesanya next because because Till Till's never had the chance, and that would be a big a big fight, like, for marketing and stuff. And um, and, and Till's style, too. It would be interesting to see if he could knock out Adesanya. Like, we know he has knockout power. And then Brunson would have done enough at that point, too, to get another title shot or, or to get a shot. He's never had a shot at the title, but to get another chance at Adesanya while also getting his first ever title shot. So um, and then Vittori is going to be in a weird spot where, like, mm-hmm. you know, if they can get Paulo Costa back into the octagon, because, like, I don't know what the hell is going on there uh, with him and the company being at odds. But Vittori and Costa probably makes the most sense, like, for both guys next, I would think there. Yeah, and you said it. Uh, Izzy wants it, said he... 
his arch nemesis, even Bobby Knuckles. He used the the some big words there when describing uh, Whitaker, and then uh, even saying, you know, with with COVID stuff still, of course, being a part of our lives, but we're 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 starting to see normal life come back. Saying he wouldn't mind seeing that fight in Auckland, man, and I feel like yeah. that would be a, a money, money, money decision if we could have it, and of course, would mean a lot to to Israel Adesanya, which you just rattled off, man. I mean, at this point, it's it's that John Jones effect uh, a couple of years back. I mean, you just there's not a ton of contenders left that you haven't already beat. Yeah, and that's why I had really no issue with him jumping up to light heavyweight because this was already kind of happening. So, like, you know, obviously we both wanted uh, Glover to share to get a title shot, which yes. he is any, which he is anyway. So, like, I mean, it's all worked out how it should have anyways for, you know, everyone involved. But, you know, because that's, that's the position we're going to be in soon is, like, if he has to fight Brunson again, or if he fights Darren Till and beats him, he'll have beaten like pretty much everybody in the top like ten, top twelve, give or take. Like depending on how things kind of kind of unfold. So, so like he's going to be in a position where I mean he can keep defending the middleweight title, and there's nothing wrong with that. Just being like a great long-term champion, but I have to imagine he's going to want to go back to light heavyweight sometime soon. So. Um, so yeah, I mean, but hell of a performance, uh, from, from Israel Adesanya, hundred percent. Dominant, great win, retains that title, uh, huge main event there again, 50, 45 across the board and the co-main event. And really the, the story of the night, uh, you know, we, we talked about how historic this card was. There's a lot of great fights, but, uh, but Brandon Moreno, man, the performance of the night, one of two goes to him. Of course, the story, the la- once a the final pick, the last pick at dodgeball, we, uh, some of us have been in. He was that for tough. He gets cut. He, he fights his way back. And here he is now, not just a win, a, a decisive finish of the rear naked choke submission in the third round to become the brand new flyweight champion over uh, over Davison Figueredo, man. Great rematch. Of course, the first one was the draw, back and forth, very close. Moreno gets the for-sure win here, man. How exciting was this? Uh, Got to be just for us as fans, but definitely for Brandon Moreno, which shocked me, the first uh, Mexican uh, UFC champion, which, you know, just that is such a, uh, uh, I mean, so many great boxers and fighters, just fighters as a whole out of Mexico. So this is such just a, I mean, plant-your-flag moment for Brandon. Yeah, it really is. I mean, like, and he was getting a lot of love from, from like the Hispanic community, like big time. Like I saw like Ray Mysterio was like tweeting about him and like, that's, and like, I know that might sound kind of goofy, like for me to say that during like an MMA podcast, but like Ray Mysterio is like a humongous figure in, in, in the Hispanic culture, like in anything that has to do with any kind of combat sports, like Ray Mysterio is like about as big as it gets. You know what I mean? So like, that was really cool. (coughs) Um, but yeah, man, really great to see this for Marino. He, um, you know, him being the first Mexican born, um, that, that's where I was confused at first when, um, when I was realizing this was happening. Cause I was like, Cain Velasquez, but like he was Mexican American. And I was like, yes. that's right. That's right. Cause I had always just like kind of put that together as like Kane, cause you know, he really represented like, uh, you know, Hispanic culture when he was the champion as well. And same with Tito Ortiz, you know, he, but once again, Mexican-American. Um, but, yeah, this is, like, the first, like, true, like, Mexican-born champion the UFC's had, which is kind of wild considering, 
know, yeah, how how just uh, you know ingrained that whole culture is in, especially the boxing world. That we're now finally getting that in MMA. I mean, it is cool, and and it really couldn't have happened to a better dude. Like Brandon Moreno is a universally loved guy amongst the whole MMA community. Super good dude. He was even Divas and Figueredo, like after the fight, was like hugging him and like giving him props. Like there was no bad blood between these two guys. Like um, this was really cool to see. And like in MMA Twitter, which is uh, usually very negative, seemed like everyone had nothing but awesome stuff to say about Brandon Marino. And like he's a guy I've been pulling for for a little while now. And I don't have to get into it, but like for those of you listening to the show often, you know, I was really. I was really confused when Alex Perez got a title shot over him at one point, but things have, have worked out the way that they have now. And, um, you know, I thought Figueredo was going to win the fight. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, in my predictions, yeah. like, I, I thought Figueredo, but, like, I was very happy to see Brandon Marino pull this out. And and I'm looking forward to him him as the champion because uh, whether it's a uh, whether he defends the title no times or whether he winds up being the best flyweight in the world, I mean, this was just an awesome moment in MMA right here. And, uh and yeah, huge shout out uh, to Brandon Marina. This was awesome stuff. 27 years old, super duper, duper young. Uh, that that title around his waist, you got to say, right, we're, we're going to get a rubber match, right? I mean, there's no, there's really no point of even kind of arguing it, even with a finish like this, with the first one going, you know, the, uh, the point being deducted by Figgy. Um, so I, I don't know. I think we, we're going to see that third match, right? Oh, probably. Yeah. If, if not immediately, I'm sure we will at some point. Uh, the only, the only issue with, with it is like the first fight was a draw. The second fight Marino won. So like if Figueredo wins, then do you run it back a fourth time? Mm. Like, and we, and we, and we can, we can cross that bridge whenever we have to, but like, um, Askar Askarov has looked really good. Um, but I, I don't, I'll put it this way. I wouldn't be surprised if we got another matchup between Figueredo and Marino. Yeah. But I also wouldn't be surprised if Figueredo moved to Bantamweight because because oh. he's had issues making weight and uh, like he's been making the weight. But like it like this last the, for this fight, like he weighed in with like 10 seconds left. And the, like it was very to the last second that he barely got there. Um so, and I know he was talking about wanting to move up and challenge for the Bantamweight title, like, while he was the flyweight champion. So, and and I don't think he, Bantamweight is so stacked that, like, I don't think it would be fair for, even though he was a great flyweight and he did have a, a good flyweight title run, I I don't think he could, like, jump into that division and just jump um, Sanhagen, Jan, Dillashaw, all these guys that are, like, going to be in that mix right now. Um, but if Figueredo went up to Bantamweight and beat like Cody Garbrandt or beat like Jose Aldo or something like that, then I could see, I could see him being in that mix, you know, at Bantamweight potentially as well. So, um, so there, there's, there's going to be options for Figueredo. Um, but like you said, the most likely option probably is, um, is another fight between the two of them. And part of the, then part of the reason for that is that, like Askarov and Pantoja, like they're good fighters that I I would be fine seeing them in title fights, but I don't think it's nearly as sellable as Figueredo and Marino, especially with how many people got really, really stoked on this last fight. And, you know, people will want to see if Figueredo was just having an off night or if Marino's the, like the real deal, you know, so like that's there's good options there for both guys. And of course, the the last person to hold a win over 
over our champion Brandon Moreno is uh, is Pantoja. That was back in uh, May of 2018. Uh, but more recently than that, Pantoja has the loss to Askarov. So it's like you're saying, man. There's this moving pieces. Um, very interested to see what Figgy does about the weight, but it feels like with the respect there and all this, and like you said, man, like. There was just a lot of buzz, you know. Of course, the um, it felt like the the fight we're about to talk about got most of that buzz going in, of course. But uh, really, really a lot, uh, a lot of great talk for Brandon Moreno now, and without a doubt, the story coming out of this, and you love to see it. As someone said, it feels like a, a real, true Rocky story, and those are just, you know, as a fight fan, you love to see it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Great moment for Brandon Moreno. Um, this isn't on the level of like TJ Dillashaw beating Henna Morau or something right, like that. Right. Like because because we knew they were very evenly matched, you know, because they went to a draw last time. So like we knew we knew that like Marino absolutely had a shot in this one. But <clears throat> but still like still just a great moment. For a guy like you said, who'd been cut by the company, who nobody wanted on the Ultimate Fighter, like who just <clears throat> who's just a really good example of just I mean, just working your ass off to to try to accomplish your goals. And he, you know what I mean? Like, on paper, he doesn't look like he's, like, the best boxer or the best jujitsu guy or the best wrestler. But, like, collectively, and he, just, he, and he obviously he has a huge heart. And that that definitely counts for something. And, uh, and yeah, this, this was just a great moment. And, and shout out to Figueredo as well. I mean, the other yes. thing is, it's also not like Figueredo's washed up. I just think that he's having a really hard time making the flyweight division, um, and but his skill set's still still there. So I mean, he'll be fine as well. Yeah, great title fights. We uh, I say it again, man. And new flyweight champion Brandon Moreno. Cannot wait to see this man back in the cage. No matter who's he, who he squares up with, always, always, always a good fight in there with Brandon. Uh, moving on to the welterweight fight, the the. You know, it wasn't the main event, but man, the buzz for Nathan Diaz back in the cage was there. Nick Diaz in the building, you and I were maybe just as much fired up to see Nick just kind of standing, squaring up and uh, and interacting with the fans as we were uh, Nate in the cage. You love that, that Nick Diaz army shot him out. But Leon Edwards got the win. This is the thing I, I was talking to, uh, to Brett Eisen about, man. There's some kind of magic with these Diaz boys, and it kind of goes with that meme you sent me before the show of even these fights they lose, we find ourselves talking so much about them afterwards. You know, Leon Edwards won this fight, uh, unanimous decision, 49-46 across the board. Uh, and, if, you know, by, by chance, if you didn't you know, miss this fight, it did go five full rounds. It wasn't a three-rounder. Um, but how many people, you know, when they woke up uh, Sunday morning, it was, Man, if there was another minute in that fight, Nate Diaz may have won. Exactly, that's the thing. And the the meme that I that uh, Moose talking <laughs> about is it's um I can't do it justice. It's like a it's like a scuffed Spider Man like in the picture. It's something obviously someone's photoshopped, but um it basically says it says something like the Diaz brothers don't lose fights; they just run out of time. And it's it's wild how. I'll talk about this actual fight here in a second, but it's 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 interesting how you know even because you can even go back to like the Masvidal loss, which like mm-hmm. Masvidal pieced him up like unquestionably, right. <clears throat> but there is still that out a little bit where Nate's like again they got stopped because of a cut, which is the truth. Like Nate didn't give up, Nate didn't get knocked out. It w- it was stopped because of a cut, 
And when you see performances like he had in the fifth round of this Leon Edwards fight, you're like, okay, well, like what, what if that got to a fifth round with him and Masvidal and he could do that to Masvidal? You know what I mean? Like it it makes you think like, you know, maybe we were robbed of like, you know, Nate Diaz having a comeback in that fight because of that uh, judge deciding or that um, doctor deciding the fight needed to be stopped, you know, like, so it's wild how the Diaz brothers somehow, even in losses, still give you like somewhat of a legitimate, reasonable doubt of like, yeah, but like, did the other guy like really mm-hmm. win? You know, like, <laughs> and and uh, now that's to, to, let me talk about this actual fight though. So yes, Leon Edwards beat his ass for four rounds, Fact. unquestionably. Like he definitely won rounds one through four. Um, Edwards was much faster uh, with his hands. Edwards had uh, a much, much, much better ground game than I thought he did. Like Edwards was very confident on the ground. He almost he had Nate's back a few times. Like I, I thought if this fight hit the ground, it was going to be all Nate Diaz. And Leon Edwards completely proved me wrong there. His ground game is way better than I expected it to be. So. Um, and Edwards' game plan was genius too. Like he, the he had an answer for everything. Every time Nate threw something, for every every one punch Nate threw, Edwards threw back two or three and landed at least one or two of them every time. I mean, it was like he had Nate Diaz's number for the first four rounds of that fight, and it was it wasn't even close. He was he ran away with it. But then the fifth round happens, and Nate almost stops him. Like, he clocks him with, like, a right-left combo. I think he hit him with, like, a straight left. And and the one thing he where he fucked up is, like, he kind of, like, pointed and smiled at him after instead of just continuing to punch him in the face. And that's the one thing I'll say where it's, like, that's the one Achilles heel of the Diaz brothers sometimes is, like, the showmanship aspect and, like, them, like, talking to their opponent sometimes like instead of doing that they should just continue to throw punches because like when they're doing that it's while their opponent is like really really um rocked like so edwards was on wobbly legs he was like falling back into the cage and nate was teeing off and the last minute of that fight like like you said mose if there was one more minute left it's very possible uh nate diaz could have finished leon edwards and that's going to be one of the big narratives coming out of this fight and, and that's, and it, it actually winds up, it's, it's like a perfect example of what you want out of pro wrestling, where when it's like those scenarios where you're trying to put over the next wrestler, but he's not quite there to like beat the guy he's in the ring with, but like mm-hmm. both guys at the end of the night have both been elevated, even no matter who wins or loses. And it's kind of like that where like Nate Diaz had he just got his ass beat for that fifth round and it was just 50 45s across the board, then coming out of the fight, the whole narrative is going to be, oh, Nate's washed up. You know, who who can Nate really beat? And may, maybe give him someone outside of the top 15, blah, blah, blah. But because of the way the fifth round went, he can easily go out there in the media and be like, yeah, I mean, but if this was a real fight, like, I mean, look who was beat up in the la- at the end of the fight. Look who look who was almost finished in the, at the end of the fight. Like, if this was on the streets, which obviously it isn't, but like, if this was in the streets, like, Nate Diaz won that fight. Like, whoever whoever is winning when that last bell rings, like, that's who won the real fight. 
You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter what she did the rest of the time. Like, you punch Nate Diaz in the face a thousand times. Like, that's cool. But, like, Nate Diaz is standing over you at the end of the fight. So, like, that's that and that and that's what's great about this for both guys, right? Is like Leon Edwards, in my opinion, he has nothing left to prove for a title no. shot. Um, it's going to be interesting, though, because I, I know we got to get to this. Anyway. Do you want to give your thoughts on this fight first? And then I'll, I'll talk about like where I think this is going to go for both guys. No, I mean, I, I think you set it up great. I mean, it's the thing of uh, I'm happy Leon got a great fight, got a good money fight, got a great win over someone that uh, casuals and diehards alike uh, went over a Diaz brother uh, means something. And, uh, and like you said, though, the, um, the biggest gift, the thing you saw the most was Nate with that one, two piece and the point and, and all that. Um, no, nah, man, you summed it up great. It, it's, it's, it's a, it's a Diaz fight, man. It's uh, you know, it's cardio. They, 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 you know, I remember the video hearing about Nick just swimming over to Alcatraz and back and all that. So you don't uh, you, you don't really outlast the Diaz brothers. You just kind of survive them. It feels like even in wins like this. But yeah, yeah, go ahead, man. Uh, what do you see? What do you see for Leon, man? Because you're right. We're, I'm looking at it now. I mean, his last loss was 2015, and we're talking about what he's he's creeping up on 10 straight wins minus that no contest with Bilal. Yeah, and the last and the loss is Usman. Yeah, so for real. um, so that said. Edwards and I and I even said that Edwards deserved a title shot before he even fought Bilal like you know and I know that he was offered it but because of COVID they had to go with Burns instead I get all that but like Edwards has been in a position for a while where he he deserved a title shot more than some of these other guys who have gotten title shots and I feel the same way right now his stock's never been higher uh no pun intended beating Nate Diaz but (laughs) he uh he really like he's definitely the number one contender, but Dana's clear that they're going with Usman and Colby running it back next. And I'm totally fine with Edwards waiting out the winner. Like that's no problem at all. But if Edwards wants to stay active, I guarantee you they offer him Masvidal. And if they do that, I think if you're Edwards, you take the fight because you're going to actually wind up making more money to fight Masvidal than you would to fight for the title, as, as yeah. weird as that sounds. But, like, because they have that whole built-in three-piece and a soda feud. I mean, it's like, it, both guys, they basically have fought each other backstage already. Like, let them do it for real. And Leon's in a position now where, before Masvidal could at least make the excuse of, like, kind of like, I'm a superstar, no one knows who Edwards is. But now it's kind of flipped where, like, Masvidal's had two title shots. He's definitely not getting another shot at Usman. So what's really the biggest fight he can get? Well, probably either Nate or like if for Masvidal, the biggest fights he could possibly like, I guess legitimately have would be Nate, Nick or Connor. But like those options probably aren't likely. So the best option outside of that for Masvidal is to fight Leon Edwards. So, um, so that's how I see it playing out. Either, either Edwards waits out a title shot or we get Edwards versus Masvidal. And then for Nate Diaz, I think he should fight the loser of Poirier McGregor because you have it set up, obviously, the trilogy with Connor if Connor loses. And then if Dustin loses, like they were booked to fight each other before and it fell through. And that would be an awesome fight that we'd never seen before uh, Connor versus Nate, or sorry, uh, uh, Nate versus uh, Dustin. So um, so that's that's how I think that's what I think makes the most sense uh, for both these guys. No, yeah, all that, and all of that sounds like big money to me, which you love to see. Um, 
you know, one thing we and you always like to get in is just how these fighters need to be paid more. I think Nate even gave some advice to Leon mm-hmm. afterwards to, uh, you know, to stick to your guns and don't let them bully you when it comes to money, man. You're worth it. Um, so, yeah, man, I signed me up for all that. Um, you, I just... Again, it's that Diaz magic, a complete dominant decision win on paper for Leon. But, um, man, Nate, you just you survive. I'm going to say it again. You survive the Diaz boys. Very rarely do you uh, do you get out of there unscathed, man. So uh, big ups to this one. Three great main events. Um, Let's talk about that other performance of the night. One that, again, a lot of, uh, of shit talk, a lot of pushing and shoving. If you were watching the embedded, some things said. Paul Craig, Jamal Hall Hill did not take long, man. First round armbar submission win by Craig. The arm looked disgusting. This was um, probably even more than anything else. This was talked about the most uh, for me and my peeps. Saturday night and Sunday was just the everything that came down out of this win for Paul Craig. What were you thinking when all of this went down in the cage and then how long the kind of fight kept going after the arm uh, situation? <laughs> So Paul Craig is an animal. Like, yes, I am. I, I was saying in the pre-show, like the predictions for this, like I, I'm a big fan of his. And like when he does stuff like this, it makes me an even bigger fan. Like that guy is, that guy is a big problem for the light heavyweight division. Like his, his striking is, is decent, but like when it hits the ground, he, he attacks people from the ground. And man, this was just a, masterful performance over jamal hill like he literally it, it hit the ground and hill had hill had nothing for it and craig would just grabbed his arm and he was going for arm triangles and he was just doing everything he could to whip that arm around and 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 get it in a good lock and get that submission and hill after the fight did come out on social media and defend the referee yes and said like you know and he said that it wasn't the ref's fault and hill said he didn't tap out like and that's part of it too like Hill knew his arm was like fucked up, but like he he didn't tap, so he didn't like, you know, he didn't expect the referee to stop it when he wasn't tapping. So like, so I want to you know throw that out there too because a lot of people were kind of shitting on the referee, but Hill himself isn't, so I don't think we should either. Um, but yeah, Paul Craig. I, I mean, I gotta look at the rankings right now because uh, Craig's gonna be creeping into the top ten now probably. Um, he's sitting at. He was at 14 going into the fight. Hill was at 15. Uh, yeah, so he'll probably stay right around where he's at, but uh, he's going to get someone ranked above him next, though. I mean, he'll be fighting, like, maybe, like, him and Ozdemir or something. If Ozdemir's not not booked, something like that would be a lot of fun. Him and Anthony Smith or something. I mean, he, they got to get Paul Craig a big fight. Get him get him a name, somebody who's fought for the title before, something like that. Um and, I, and I'm going to keep taking Paul Craig to win fights, by the way. Like, until he gets into that echelon of, like, Blahovich, Teixeira, um, Rokic, Prohaska, like, those type of dudes. Like, I'm probably picking Paul Craig over the rest of these guys at this point, if I'm being honest. And why not, man? Last, Just look at his last three. All finishes, all technically submissions. One was a TKO submission to punches that went over Shogun. And uh, that Shogun fight, also the only one that go to the second round. Two out of the last three First round submissions, both were performance of the night bonuses. Uh, you summed it up, man. If I'm in this division, I see Paul Craig across from me. It's just I'm fighting like hell to not let him get me on the ground because it feels like he totally gets it. I mean, what he is, what he is in there to do is get you down and finish you ASAP 
on the ground, bro. Yeah, yeah, just just he's not playing games at all. Once that hits the ground, he is grabbing limbs, and there's there's just not going to be that many people, I think, in the division that are going to have a, a big answer for that, especially when you talk about the the upper echelon of the division, because most of these guys are mainly strikers. So if Craig can get some of these guys on the ground, it's going to, those are some really, really interesting fights. So, um, so yeah, Paul Craig put himself in a fantastic position going forward with that win. Big time shout out to the bear Jew. One more time. I'm going to remind you, he got not only a a, a super impressive win, but got that $50,000 bonus in his pocket along with Brandon Moreno. Those were your two performances of the night. Uh, We're going to get to our fight of the night in a minute, which is actually on the prelim card. But the last main card fight to kind of discuss a little, we both uh, we both thought it was going to happen. Bilal Muhammad with the win. Uh, Unanimous decision, though, uh, it was 30-27 and then two 29-28s with the win over Damian Maya. Uh, Another good feather in the cap for Bilal Muhammad on this. This run he's on now where he's put together, what is it? He, again, that that no contest to Leon Edwards uh, this earlier this year in March. But before that, he's got wins over Nate, you know, Curtis Melinder, Takashi Sato, Lyman Good, Diego Lima, and now this win over uh, Damian Maia. Yeah, and unfortunately, I didn't get to watch too much of this fight because I was setting up for the uh, for the watch-along. Right. And I saw, like, and I was kind of surprised because I saw the first round and – what the what I saw of the first round, I thought Damian Maya won. So what I'm assuming happened was uh, Muhammad won uh, rounds two and three uh, pretty decisively because, um, and, and I, I I'd imagine he probably was able to take him down or or at least had um better takedown defense throughout the rest of the fight. Maybe his striking was better. I just can't speak too much to the to the fight because I hadn't been able to watch it in full, but. I would, I mean, but it isn't surprising to see Muhammad win. Um, and also, that was the last fight on Damian Maya's UFC contract. And it sounds like they're not interested in re-signing him. But Maya, I think, has been saying he wants, like, one more, like, retirement fight. So um, we'll see what happens with all that. But, uh, yeah, Bilal Muhammad, he, he needed a win, especially coming off of just that no contest with Edwards because mm-hmm. that was definitely the biggest fight of his career up to that point. So uh, this keeps Muhammad in the mix at the, uh, the upper tier of the welterweight division. Great main card again with three decisions, two finishes. Uh, the, the fight of the night though goes, man, this was one we, we both mentioned highlighted, however you want to say it. Uh, Brad Riddell beats Drew Dover. It was a 29, 28 across the board, unanimous decision win for Brad. But a damn good fight again, a fight of the night, 50,000 of both fighters. Uh, I mean, just uh, absolute what we wanted to see in the lightweight division. Yeah, this fight ruled. Uh, this was one where I tweeted right afterwards saying, like, this is the perfect way to get me even more hyped up to buy a pay-per-view. Like, yes. This, yes. Yeah, this is like, that's exactly what you're looking for. You're looking for those. I mean, I was going to buy it anyways, but like, you know, there's a lot of casual fans who are probably just watching the prelims. That fight happens. They're like, holy shit. Like, all right, we got to buy the pay-per-view now. Like, like things like this can happen. Like, this is worth it. So, yeah, this that fight was awesome. Um, I think the scores, cards were right. I thought Riddell won uh, two of the three rounds. So, um, I think Dober, I think, won the first. And Riddell won the second and third, if I remember correctly. So... No issues here. This fight was great. Um, Brad Riddell, 
I mean, the the lightweight division is stacked, but Loaded. but you know this this is the kind of fight. And he also overcame some adversity. Like Dober rocked him really good early in the fight. So um, so yeah, Riddell, this 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 was a really good win for him. Really really good win, and it'll put him in in the mix with some bigger names going forward. And uh, we'll see how he does. But th- that was yeah, I I'd be down to watch these two guys fight. Uh, I'd, I'd be, I'd definitely be out for a rematch at some point in the near future between these two. I really enjoyed it. The win pushes Riddell to ten and one, and uh, and also fun fact, he has a kickboxing win over John Wayne Parr. So you know the guy's tough. He showed it again. Great fight. Uh, very happy both those guys got the bonus there. Um, yeah, like you said, that's such a good point, man. It's almost, you know, when you're putting a card together, uh, the matchmaking side, this is the exact fight you want leading into that pay-per-view because anyone that wasn't going to order this, just you're like, I, I, what more can we have? Um, you love to see it, man. Um, uh, we talked about, again, just all the stakes and everything going uh, from the Lauren Murphy and, and Juwan Calderwood fight up. Uh, that ended up going Lauren Murphy's way, a split decision win, very close, 29-28, 28-29, 29-28. Murphy with a win over JoJo. Um, how did you feel when the uh, when the judges' cards were uh, were read out on this one? I was I was fine with it. Like I thought Lauren Murphy won personally, so like I I'm good with the decision. I wouldn't have been upset the other way. I mean, split decision. It was a very close fight. Uh, both these women are great. They both have bright futures in the flyweight division. Uh, Lauren Murphy, like I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be upset at all if she got a title shot in her next fight. Like she's, she, you know, she's Five been wins in a row. Yeah, she's been overlooked, and she's never fought Shevchenko for the title. So like, that's you know, in, in JoJo, you got to feel bad because she was booked for a title shot and then lost Ooh. to Jennifer Maya, and now she's lost this fight. Um, but. But yeah, I mean, both women are going to be fine. I mean, they're going to both be, you know, contenders in flyweight going forward. But um, I'd say, you know, keep uh, JoJo definitely needs to stay in there against like the top level women in the division. Like she's obviously hanging in there and, and you know, split decision. It can't get any closer than that. And then Murphy, um, I mean, it's probably time for a title shot for her. Yeah, I totally agree. Again, five wins in a row for Lauren Murphy. You feel like it's that time to get in there. Uh, we'd love to see that. But, yeah, yeah, again, super close. Shout out JoJo. Great fight. Um, the the fight in between the the lightweight scrap and the women's flightweight, the light heavyweight fight, we were both talking about Eric Anders, the Alabama product, getting the unanimous decision win over Darren Stewart. Solid fight, 29-28, 29-27 times two. Anders back in the win column. This is one that you, you and I agree uh, he, obviously, the athlete, the SEC caliber athlete, uh, great base there. This was the rematch from the illegal knee that went down between the two um, that Anders landed uh, back in March. That made that a no contest. So now we get the fight back, and uh, and it goes the way of Eric Anders, man. A solid damn fight. Yeah, good fight, good win. Um, Anders is just – he just a bit more explosive, a bit more athletic – Yes. Uh, you know, just and Darren Stewart, he's an exciting fighter to watch. I, I like him a lot, the dentist. But um, but Eric Anders just he just just a little bit better of a fighter right now. That's really all I can say about it. Like I like both guys. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing both of them in the octagon. They put on exciting performances. But Anders just a just a better, just a bit more well rounded at this point in both their careers. Yeah, Darren only thirty. Darren Stewart uh, thirty years old. So 
Without a doubt, uh, I would not be shocked. I'm a big fan, as you are. I love watching him fight. Would not be shocked to see him maybe take some strides these next couple of years. Uh, always an exciting fight there. The last fight on the uh, the prelim card that we haven't discussed yet, a featherweight scrap, uh, Mavzar Evliov. I always feel like I'm going to say that. I never get that one right. With a, a win over Hakeem Dawadu. I was expecting Dawadu to come out of here with the win. Instead, it goes unanimous decision the other way, 29-27 across the board in our uh, prelim opener on ESPN, bro. Yeah, and Evliov's, the he is a big, big problem for featherweight. Like, Featherweight is already, I talk about it all the time, how they're like the top 15 in that division is probably my favorite top 15 in the UFC. And Evolov was at number 14. Dawadu is at number 15. And Evolov just just completely outclassed him. Like that dude's grappling. It's very, I know it's a high comparison, but it reminds you a lot of how Habib fights. Mm-hmm. And, and it's one of those things where like if, people can train for it all they want, but if you can't stop it, you can't stop it. And he's uh, 15 and 0 now. I mean, th- this guy is, he is going to be a serious problem for a lot of these people. Cause, cause part of the thing and part of what makes featherweight so you know exciting for me is that most of the people in the top 15 are really mainly known because they have really good and exciting standup. And Evolov on the ground with these guys could give a lot of these guys like really, really big problems. So um, Evolov put himself in a great, great position with this one. And I am very much looking forward to seeing what he does going forward. Because like I said, I think he has this skill set to potentially be the champion. Like I really do. He's very, very impressive. 27 years old, already at 15 and 0 is Evolov. So... You know he's uh man he's learning a lot he's in there he's grinding a former bantamweight champion over M1 challenge so uh man it just like you're saying just absolute amazing base there and one that when it's it's on it's on with him um, for sure a name to keep an eye on moving forward um, on the early early prelims the only one I was gonna mention anything else you want to throw in we're both big Chase Hooper fans uh, he, he he took the loss but. But uh, he went in there and fought, you know, Stephen Stephen Peterson, who came in uh, a little overweight, two and a half pounds over the non-title fight limit. They ended up fighting at a catchweight. So Hooper got a little bit of bonus at 20 percent of the purse for for Peterson went to chase, went to chase. Excuse me. But um, the history books will say that Stephen Peterson got the win, a decision unanimous, 30, 27 times two and then a 29, 28. You hate that. Uh, you hate to see Chase get the loss here, but he's young. He, he's going to come back from it. Yeah, and I mean Peterson. It was like it was kind of lame. How I mean, he misses weight, and then I can't remember what round it was. I think it was the third round. He went for a fake glove touch on Hooper and went to punch yeah. him, and it was like, oh, like. Um, but and the crowd was so behind Chase Hooper. He has a great skill set. It's just he's so young, and that's twenty-one. 21 years old, dude. Yeah, like, he's really been, like, it's one of those things, like, if it works out, great, it works out great. But, like, we've seen this kind of happen to a degree with, um, with like, Sage Northcutt as well. Some of these guys that, like, they kind of, they probably just aren't ready to be in the UFC yet. Like, they can beat some people in the UFC, but, like, the kind of, like, it's, I guess kind of what I'm getting at here is, Chase Hooper, I think, would really benefit from fighting a few guys that are, like, you know, just not as good. You know, like, just let him get in there and, like, really do his thing. Like, beat some 
beat up some dudes. Like, go in there and, like, really be able to show off your skill set and, like, improve. Because he's a guy who I think long-term for the UFC is going to be very valuable. Because, like, by the time he's, like, 25, he's going to be, like, an absolute stud. So, like, I'm not necessarily saying, like, he needs to, like, get cut from the UFC or anything like that. I'm just saying, like, I think they need to give him, like, really kind of, like, low-tier opponents for a little while. Or allow him to fight for, like, a smaller organization and, like, start racking up some wins and some more confidence because he's also a guy who, like, you don't want to, like, ruin his career when he's, like, 21 when, you know, if you would have just kind of slow played it by the time he's in his mid-20s, he's, like, a stud who's, like, you know, just now hitting his prime. You know what I mean? So, like, that that's just kind of how I feel about Chase. Like, <clears throat> I love watching him fight. I hope he stays in the UFC and I hope he continues to fight in the UFC. They just need to be, they just need to find opponents that are, I mean, Steven Peterson was a beatable opponent. I mean, it's not like Steven Peterson's like some world beater, but they got to find some people that like, not necessarily to the level of like what they did for CM Punk. You know, I'm definitely not comparing Chase Hooper to CM Punk, but they might need to kind of like go outside the UFC and be like, all right, who's a guy who's like, who's like one in three or something like, okay, let's get him in, in chase in the octagon. Cause, cause the crowd is, is the crowd wants to cheer chase. Like they, like he's over with the crowd. So like he can be very, very, very valuable to them, but his value is going to decrease significantly every time he goes out there and loses. So like they just need to figure things out with him, but I, I, I like him a lot. I think his style is very fun to watch. Um, but yeah, he, he just need, he just needs to get in the in the win column again. Yeah, again, I, my, I'm gonna keep saying it. It's a story. He's young. You've got the. It's that you know. It's there's got to find some kind of uh, of middle ground here where we don't you know go a little too much. But I think the sky's the limit again. 21 years old, man. It's weird seeing a human being fighting in the UFC that was born in 1999, man. I just like. <sighs> I am so old. Um, anything else you want to add on the early, early prelims? Oh, yeah, for sure. So there's one thing I definitely need to highlight. There was Terrence McKinney. This was yes. like the this was a hell of a series of events. Terrence McKinney knocks down Matt Favola in seven seconds. Like literally the first combo he throws, boom, boom. Favola's out. Referee stops it. Like, realistically the fight was over in like four seconds but you know it takes a few seconds for the ref to actually get over there so like seven second knockout i think it was the fourth fastest knockout in ufc history incredible stuff terrence mckinney during his celebration climbs up to the top of the cage jumps off lands weird on his legs and like his his knee like clearly blows out or like something happens and he's on the ground holding his leg and it's like this dude just got one of the fastest knockouts ever and then injured himself in the celebration. Like that is just you hate to see that. And then to add salt to the wound during his post fight interview, he's like leaning up against Joe Rogan. Like Joe Rogan's holding him up so that he can yeah. do this interview because his, his leg is so messed up from injuring himself. And this guy at one point during the the post fight interview is like Joe, I'd love to, you know, come on your podcast and, and tell you my story one day. And Joe's like, you know, one day maybe. It's like, oh God. Like he got he got curved so hard. Like this dude went from one of the best knockouts ever mm-hmm. to injuring himself to just getting straight up like big leagued 
like like not invited onto Joe Rogan's podcast, like right in front of the world. It's just like, oh man, that is that is rough. So um, shout out to McKinney for the knockout. The knockout was very impressive, but everything afterwards was a big L. And um, I hate to see people get hurt, obviously, but yeah, I'm sorry. There is there is something funny about people injuring themselves in celebrations like like when when johnny walker did it uh a couple years ago when he went for like the worm he actually tried to do the worm and blew his shoulder out it's like i'm sorry once again don't like seeing people get hurt but like that like that is funny i'm sorry so like that's how i felt about this it was like it was just it was just you know you hate to see it but i mean he did it to himself so it reminds yeah. me of uh, it's like a deep cut for any football fans out there. But uh, Bill Gramatica, Martin Gramatica's brother for the Arizona Cardinals, kicking like a game winning field goal, jumping up and down and then completely tearing his ACL out. Like, yeah, one of those just you can't believe it happening moments. But it happened. Um, great stuff, man. Awesome. Again, awesome card. Historic card. When you look at the numbers, uh, two titles, one retained, one brand new champ you love to see it one uh, another great pay-per-view on the year for the ufc and uh and now man let's get into a little bit of a preview and then uh we're gonna talk a little boxing a little pfl and then uh and then we'll get out of here for the week but this coming up saturday june 19th live from the ufc apex on espn man we're, we're, we're on the the broadcast leader we got espn 2 we got espn plus we're all over the place Main event, Korean zombie Dan Ige, two just tough, tough, tough human beings. We've got Alexi Olenek fighting Sergey Spiv- Spivak. Spivak? Spivak? I'm so bad with names. I apologize, America. Uh, Tim Dirty Bird Means on this card. Marlon Vera, David Grant, Matt Brown, Diego Lima. Man, this just feels like a, a scrappers kind of card. You love to see it. Um, but let's dive into this main event. Mew and I were both fired up when this was announced. Just days away from Korean Zombie, Danny Gate throwing down, dude. Yeah, I am very much looking forward to this. This could be the fight of the year. It really for could. Real. Like, for real. You always know Korean Zombie's down for just an epic scrap. And Dan Ige has been doing that as well for everything he's been doing. Like his last few fights, you've got um, like the Gavin Tucker fight was real. Like he needed that win. That was a real nice knockout right at the beginning of the first round. But then, like, his other wars he's had, like, his loss to Calvin Cater. And Calvin Cater is an absolute animal. Like, Calvin Cater is, I mean, he's, I don't know where he's ranked. I'm assuming in the top five. Uh, Cater is at at number five, right at number five. Uh, So, uh, yeah, I mean, just, I can't stress it enough. The, The UFC featherweight division is so stacked. Then you look at the rest of these really close fights, these really entertaining close fights that Dan Ige has had against Versad Bactic and Edson Barbosa as well. Like, and he won both those fights, but you know, split decisions, super, super close, but really, really entertaining. So <coughs> this fight makes all the sense in the world. Um, Ige is sitting at number eight, Korean Zombies at number four. Zombies coming off the uh, the loss to City just losing. T-City, that's right. Um, and T-City is getting the next title shot. They're doing the Ultimate Fighter right now for that. So, um, so yeah, I love this matchup. I'm going to take Korean Zombie as my pick. I, you know, I, I very rarely ever choose against Zombie. I love his style. I love just, I mean, his style, especially the fact that, like, you know, 
he gets hit a few times, you think he's down and out, and then like he just like supercharges, and like that's it's why that's how he got the nickname. I mean, it's like I I just love his style of fighting. Um, I love the fact that he has a creative submission game. I'll never forget the twister he he pulled. Um, he's got just highlight reel knockouts, serious power in his hands. Dan Ige is an incredibly fun fighter fighter to watch. He has knockout power as well. He's good in all aspects of MMA. Um, I just I think Korean Zombie wins this one, but this honestly has potential to be one of the best fights of the entire year. Yeah, just qu- real quick on, on, on Korean Zombie. Uh, of all of his fights in the UFC, so one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. This coming up will be his tenth fight for the UFC, right? Of course, we know the the layoff he had, uh, the military stuff he had to do, uh, which will, you know, that that it's 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 happy that he, you know, he had to do that or whatever for for the government. That's but like it was such a bummer that we lost someone just right there for all those years. So we'll never get that time back, but. In um, those nine fights for the UFC, he has had one. That loss to T-City is the one fight that he has had where it was either performance of the night, fight of the night, for a title, or knockout of the... You know what I mean? Everything is... There's some sort of extra on every single fight in the UFC for this guy. And uh, and I think uh, the, that Dustin Poirier fight, right, 2012, one of my absolute favorite fights of that entire year um, on Fuel TV, by the way. Shout out Fuel yeah. TV, LOL. Um but yeah, just one of the absolute most exciting fight, uh, fighters you'll ever come across, Chan Soon Jung. I'm with you. I, I take Korean Zombie to win this. I can't wait to see it. Uh, Danny Gay's a bad, bad man, but uh, you said it best there, man. Very rarely do you pick against the Korean Zombie, and, uh, and I'm right there with you, bro. Um, how are you feeling about this uh, this co-main? We've got the heavyweight scrap. Two, uh, you just, you, looking at their names on paper just sounds like two tough son <laughs> bitches. Um, Alexio Linick, man, he's, you know, really, I'm trying to get his record pulled up now, 43 years of age, and this is going to be his 76th fight looking for his 60th career win, bro. Yeah. And it's going to be a tall task. Cause like Sergey Spivak is a good fighter, um, with knockout power. So, I mean, I, I love Alexio Linick. Like, he's honestly one of my favorite guys to watch, like, considering his age and considering his longevity. I mean, the dude made his MMA debut in 1996. Like, that's... The Clinton administration. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for real. I mean, that is so wild to think. Um, So, I'm always pulling for the guy, like, just for those reasons. And he's been in there against everyone from Crow Cop to Monson to... Curtis Blades, Mark Hunt, Overeem, Walt Harris, Verdum, Derek Lewis. I mean, there's so many people he's been in the, share that octagon with. I mean, it's it's a real who's who throughout his career. So, um, I mean, he, he fought Chael Sonnen in, in 06. I mean, that's just insane. So, um, but that said, I am taking Sergey Spivak for the win. Um, he's He's got two wins in a row. Uh, his only losses in the UFC are Walt Harris and Marcin Tybura, which are, mm-hmm. you know, two very good fighters. I feel like Olenek is, you know, kind of on the decline. And obviously, like, you can't... I mean, it'd be cool as hell to see him win. And I love watching him pull off those... um, Those... um, What's that choke that he does so well? Uh, not the Von Flew, the... um, What's he called? The Ezekiel choke. He's like mm-hmm. the master of the Ezekiel choke. Um, but... I think um, I think Spivak, you know, 
he's only 26 years old. He's like half this dude's age. I mean, Bro. like very I hungry. Just think, yeah, exactly. And and on and on the incline, like like entering his fighting prime. Um, so I just think it's a bad matchup for Olenek at this point in his career. So I'm taking Spy because of my choice. Yeah, I'm with you. It really feels like the. Uh... You know, you're throwing the old dog in there with this, the pup on the way up and just kind of, I mean, we have seen these go the way of the vet, but uh, you summed it up, man. This uh, Sergey just really strikes me as someone on the come up, 26 years of age, 12 and two, two fight winning streak. Like you mentioned, he's won three of his last four. Uh, I expect any, and he's staying active, right? He fought twice in 2020. Um, He's already fought once in 2021. Uh, I, I just, I think, yeah, I think it's a big win, a big feather in the cap for the young gun uh, in our co-main event here. Again, this Saturday, June 19th uh, on ESPN2. Um, welterweight division now, man. Tim Dirty Bird means Danny Roberts. We're going to have hands thrown in this one. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'll, I, means is one of those like we keep going back to, you know. I just, you love seeing him in there. You love seeing him scrap. Uh, Danny Roberts is one. If you pull up his record, I mean, it's just one way or the other. It's KOs just about across the board knockouts. Uh, he's coming off a, a knockout in the second round, though. It's been a couple years. Hasn't fought since November of 2019, has Danny. Um, it, it just feels like this is going to be one that uh, that we're just going to get a scrap, my man. Yeah. Um, I mean, Tim Means last fight, you know, I, I had a, a war with Mike Perry. That was a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> Danny Roberts coming off that win over uh, Emma Dave. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but I know I know his opponent was Russian and he beat him in Russia, in which Russia. is like, yeah, which is like that is that is definitely um, an away game for sure for <laughs> Danny Roberts, to um, say the least. Right. So um, yeah, we've seen we've seen things happen. Like I'll never, <laughs> I'll never forget, uh, Fedor fighting. I knew it. I knew um, Fabio Maldonado. And it's like, it's like, if there wasn't home cooking and, and, and those judges, I don't know what was like, and the referee, everyone involved. That was so crooked. Maldonado beat his ass and then wound up losing. That was, Oh my God. <laughs> um, but, um, but as far as a prediction, I think Tim means is more well-rounded. Like, uh, Danny Roberts is 33. Tim Means is 37. Um, so obviously Means is the older guy, but not by like a super large margin. Mm-hmm. And I think Me- Means is still, I mean, he's still a damn good fighter. He's been fighting since 04 professionally. Um, he's just a really fun guy to watch. And he's shared the octagon. Uh, we've talked about this before on the show, but like his his resume of opponents is just like way more impressive than Danny Roberts. And whether he beat or lost to these names, like he has shared the octagon with them. And, and there are things you take away from those fights. Like, like he had a split decision loss uh, to, uh, to Blah Muhammad, for instance, not that long ago and stuff like you, you, I think you learn a lot in those kind of, in those kind of fights. Like he shared the octagon with Matt Brown, like he lost the fight, but like, he's, he, he's he's just fought just a, a much higher he's he fought masvidal at one point years ago like he just fought a higher level of competition way way longer and more consistently than danny roberts has so the experience i think is just going to be a big factor in this one so that's why i'm taking tim means yeah i'm with you I, this is one where i mean you, again man you, you nailed it means to fight winning streak he's been more active uh he fought three times in 2020 this will be his uh, his first fight in 2021, and I just I'm a little bit biased, man. I, 
I like Tim Dirty Bird means. I think he gets it done, but this, without a doubt, um, one fight fan should should have an eye on because I think it's going to be real exciting. Uh, let's jump around a little bit. Let's jump to Matt Brown and Diego Lima because Tim Means and Matt Brown years ago, that was a fight I was really fired up for. We talk how much we both respect the immortal Matt Brown, his career coming off that loss earlier this year in January to Carlos Condit. It was a unanimous decision loss to, to Condit, but still a loss uh, in there with Diego Lima in the welterweight division. Lima also coming off a loss earlier this year to Bilal Muhammad, both needing a win. Uh, how do you see this one playing out, my dude? Um, this this is going to be an interesting one because, I mean, I I am biased. Like Matt Brown is one of my favorite fighters ever. Like win or lose, I am always down to watch Matt Brown fight. Uh, Diego Lima, very good fighter, very very good. Um, his brother Douglas just lost the Bellator welterweight title, which I thought was pretty surprising because Douglas very. is very very good. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but Diego Lima. A lot of his fights are very close. Like, most of the fights that he wins by decision are, like, split decisions. So, like, it's, you know, and it's not like Diego's been beating guys that I would consider to be any, necessarily any better than Matt Brown. Like, like he beat Court McGee by split decision recently, and I still think Matt Brown is, like, a level above Court McGee. Like, I like Court McGee, don't get me wrong. But, like, I just feel like if Matt Brown fought Court McGee, uh, Matt Brown probably wouldn't have uh, too much issue with that one, I think. Um, that's just my personal opinion on that. Um, but I think that um, I think Diego Lima is a tough opponent. I mean, it, it's definitely it's a, it's a very tough one to call. My bias, it's very similar to when I pick Andre Arlovsky every time. Like, I'm going to pick Matt Brown. Um, and I honestly don't think it's like that bad of a pick here. I don't think it's I don't think it's that out of out of uh, the realm of possibility that Matt Brown is, is still just a better fighter than Diego Lima. Like in Matt Brown's prime, I would, I would definitely pick Matt Brown. The, the only issue right now with, with picking Brown at all is like his age, all the miles on him. And the fact that he's, he's teetered with the idea of retirement for years now, where like he's retired, that he's not retired. And when you're, when you have one foot in one foot out like that, I'm always a little unsure of like, of exactly where you're at mentally with all this stuff. Um, but I mean, the fact that his, you know, if you look back to 2017, you know, he beats, he knocks out Diego Sanchez with just a vicious elbow. Really, really beautiful. He knocks out Ben Saunders. Really nice as well. Loses to Miguel Baeza. Who's a, who's an animal. Who's like a, a great welterweight right now. And then you got Carlos Condit. Who's in like the same exact position. Matt Brown's in, in his career. Um, and that was a fun fight. Matt uh, Carlos kind of definitely won the fight, but like it was a good fight. So like, I'm going Matt Brown, man. What about you? Yeah, call it the same way. Call it maybe a little bias. I, I'm, I want to. My guts maybe telling me Lima, but um, but coming off that the the decision, the way it went with with Condit on on uh, was that on ABC? I think earlier this year. Yeah, that was the ABC card for for Matt Brown. Uh, I just. Maybe it's more of a want. I want to see him come out and get just a very, very nice win here. Um, you know, this guy's. it feels like we've been watching him fight forever. This is it's his 41st fight. Um, absolute legend. I actually got uh, one of our buddies to watch um, his fight with Eric Silva, right? Uh, I mean, uh, someone awesome hit me up. Absolutely. Right. An absolute the comeback. The yeah. comeback. He didn't know much about it. I didn't spoil anything. I just said, Go watch this fight, and I'm getting text messages like, holy shit, holy shit. So 
Again, if you haven't watched that recently or ever, for sure, go watch Matt Brown and Eric Silva. Uh, that was back, I believe, in 2014. Um, yeah, man, give me Matt Brown. Give me the Immortal. But again, uh, like the last time we just talked about, this could be some fireworks, could be some really good stuff. Um, let's dive into the Bantamweight division. Marlon Vera squaring up with Davey Grant. Uh, we've seen Vera, I believe, oh, it was like, yeah, I thought it was early this year, but it was actually the end of 2020, that loss to to Aldo, uh, d- unanimous decision loss. Before that, of course, the uh, the win over Sugar Sean O'Malley that I know everyone remembers. Um, Davey Grant, on the other hand, back-to-back knockout wins, July of last year, March of this year, both performance of the night bonuses for Davey as he pushes that you know, those those two knockouts, along with a, a split decision win before that, three wins in a row for Davey Grant heading into this scrap with Marlon Vera. Yeah, I mean, th- this is a really, really good matchup. This is probably, <clears throat> I mean, if if you don't count the main event, this is, this is the one that I'm looking forward to the most on paper. Um, this is a really, really hard one to call. Um, Vera, Vera's looked great. Um, his only blunders recently, uh, I, you know, he's he's been staying very active, but um, you know, since we'll say since August of 2018, one, two, three, four, five, he was on a five fight win streak, and all those wins were either submissions or TKOs, like no decisions in there, going out there and finishing people. Um, he loses the Song Yudong by a decision. Song Yudong is a very good fighter, no real big issue there. Um, then he's the first guy to beat Sean O'Malley. So then, you know, that gets a lot of buzz. And if he would have beat Jose Aldo, he would have been right there in the mix for a potential title shot. Um, Aldo beat him by an AF decision, but it's also, I mean, Jose Aldo is still as crazy as, as it is. He's like, he's still only like in his early thirties. He's uh 34, um, which is just insane. Um, so it's, it, so once again, losing to Jose Aldo, that doesn't really, I mean, like, you'd obviously rather beat Jose Aldo, but, like, that doesn't really hurt you that much to be losing you, Jose Aldo. No, and then on the yeah, other side, absolutely. right, and then on the other side, you got Davey Grant, who, you know, a couple back-to-back submission losses, uh, 2016, 2018, but since then, been bouncing back huge. Last two wins are, are knockouts. Man, and he looked really, really good. In those last two fights, like I, I specifically remember the Jonathan Martinez fight because I was like, Davy Grant's going to be a real big problem. Like, he, he's just a very, very solid fighter. Um, this one's very hard to call. This is the closest one to like just me like flipping a coin of anything on this show. But I'm going to say I'm going to say Davy Grant keeps the momentum going. I'm going to take Davy Grant over Marlon Vera. This is going to be a war, though. Um, I like both these guys a lot, but I am going to go with Davy Grant. What about you? Yeah, I. It's you know, you see someone knocking out people left and right again, back to back performance of the night. Uh, Davy, I liked him on that season of the Ultimate Fighter. I like his grit. I like his attitude. Uh, so yeah, man, I'm with you. I think Davy Grant comes out again. You you, you summed it up great. Coin flip fills could go either way. Absolute fight of the night uh, contender right here. But but give me Davy Grant in a scrap um, on again, just a, a really, you know, with with everything on this last pay-per-view this past weekend, this this card is really kind of snuck up with all these scraps um, for sure, though. Give me Davy Grant, uh, Marlon Vera, Davy Grant going to be a scrap. The final fight on the main card we haven't dove into yet. 
Bruno Silva scrapping up with Wellington Terman in the middleweight. I love that. Sounds like a very good business <laughs> businessman name, Wellington Terman. I feel like he owns a business somewhere. Uh, coming off a loss though, Wellington in the UFC, one and two now. He you know he's fought three times, twice in 2019, once in 2020. Uh, the only win over Marcus Perez. He's coming off a knockout loss to Andrew Sanchez last August. Um, Bruno Silva, I'm on the, the Wikipedia page, doesn't have a Wikipedia page, so I, I'm going to go Bruno Silva based off that alone with our history. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, I almost, I, I'm just going to roll with that as well, because like <laughs> the little bit that I know about uh, Wellington Terman is, um, I'm just looking at his record right now. I'm trying to remember if I actually remember any of his fights. He lost a split decision to Carl Robertson. Yeah, I'd I don't know. I just don't know. I'm, I'm going to roll with you, too. I'm going to roll uh, non-Wikipedia on that one. So we both got uh, we both got Bruno Silva. There's another guy named Bruno Silva in the UFC also, but it's not the same guy that I'm thinking of. Like That's why I was so confused also when I saw this, because there's, there's another dude named Bruno Silva, but it's like Bruno... I got to look it up. It's like Bruno something da Silva or something. Um, Bruno... Martina? Bruno... <laughs> Bruno de Scott, Bruno Gustavo de Silva. That that's who I'm thinking of because he's a uh, he's a flyweight <coughs> that fought a couple. He fought like last month. Oh but, yeah, I know uh, what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. Um, but yeah, I was real confused when I saw that because I know that guy's a flyweight, and I was like Bruno Silva at middleweight. Like this makes no sense. Um, but anyway, yeah, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take non Wikipedia Bruno Silva in that one. That's your your full main card. Uh, anything you want to point out on this prelim card before we uh, we go a little off track and do a little boxing and PFL talk? Yeah, just real quick. The only one I'll highlight is uh, John Daroba versus Murata. That's a really good uh, fight in the uh, the women's bantamweight division, or not the bantamweight, the um the women's strawweight division. Um, Jan Aroba, I remember her from Invicta. She was really good there. Uh, she was a strawweight champion. I remember her having some good hype coming into the UFC because her first UFC fight was Carla Esparza. Like, they put her right in there against, like, one of the top uh, women in the company. And Esparza defeated her. But since then, she's beaten Mallory Martin and Felice Herring. She lost her last matchup to Mackenzie Dern. Mackenzie Dern's obviously somebody the UFC is very, very high on. And she's getting a, a, a heavy push by the company, as she should. She's very talented. And I think Mackenzie Dern's also still like super young. She's only 28. Um, uh, so I like John Daroba a lot. And then Murata has been looking great as well. She's won her last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight in a row. Most recently defeating Random Marcus, who honestly I think is a bit overrated. But Murata did what she had to do against uh, all these women. And what makes Murata stand out as well is she's an Olympic level um, like wrestler out of. Um, <clears throat> where is she actually originally from um she is actually from japan okay i wasn't quite sure so she's japanese and she represented japan like worldwide in the sport of uh of amateur wrestling so really cool stuff and she's really big in and uh, brazilian jiu-jitsu as well so like uh i like this matchup a lot and these are both women who could potentially be contenders at straw weight so and prediction-wise, I'll take John Daroba. Even though Murata's looked great and she's on the streak, um, I think John Daroba just... I, I just have a feeling about her getting back in the win column in this one. Her only two losses in her career are Sparza and Dern, and she's 16-2. Uh, and two, mm. So um, I'm taking John Daroba in that one. But that, that's definitely a fight that I would highlight. 
Great stuff on the on the main card. Definitely a prelim card that could have some surprising fights as well. Again, last time I'll remind you, this Saturday, June 19th, from the UFC Apex on ESPN2 and, of course, ESPN+. Plus. Uh, you know, now let's go. We're going to talk some boxing, but let's let's keep the MMA go. We'll, we'll go out with a, with a bang with our boxing talk. Uh, last week, uh, we, we've been kind of... You know, not going too in depth with it, but we've been talking about it for a few months now. Clarissa Shields, of course, gold medalist, uh, one of the greatest women boxers of all time, stepping in the MMA cage. Her first fight was last week for the PFL at PFL four. Uh, she she was in there with a scrap man. Um, she ends up winning the fight in the third round. I'm going to give you some quick numbers. Um, she landed 90 strikes. She actually had 94% striking accuracy. Uh, got, of course, like I mentioned, got the the third round win over over Brittany Elkin. But uh, you, you and I looked at this a lot more. A lot of people were just kind of caught up in the win. Uh, from what you and I saw, man, of course, a great base with the striking. She survived. She did everything you wanted her to do in that spot um, against a jujitsu brown belt. But I, you know, not to be disrespectful or whatever, but I think if it's a jujitsu black belt, uh, she may have gotten finished a couple of times in that fight, my man. Yeah, there's, there's, it's, I got a lot of different kind of thoughts about this whole thing because, like, <clears throat> you know, sorry, I'm coughing throughout this whole show, y'all. I felt like I've, I've had something caught in my throat this whole time. Um, so the first two rounds of that fight, she, Elkin just completely dominates Shields. Like, Shields' Shields' striking looks decent, but you can tell Elkins is doing everything she can not to strike with her, which is smart, which is, like, mm-hmm. what she should do. Um, Elkins was throwing a lot of, like, front kicks and stuff to, you know, create distance. And then when she closed the distance, she was trying to wrap up and get, get the fight to the ground, which, once again, that's a smart game plan. That's exactly what Elkins should do. Um, but then when it was on the ground... Elkin, like, there was multiple times she had her in, like, what looked like could have easily just been a Kimura, what could have become a rear naked choke, what could have been a head and arm choke, what could have been, like, there was all these openings for submissions. And then at some point, I think it was, like, right towards the end of the second round, Elkin locks in an arm bar, like, just a full arm bar with, with, Shields isn't defending it. and, And for no reason, she just lets go of it. And I'm not... I, like you just alluded to, like, I'm not calling like bullshit on this. I'm not saying it was rigged or anything like that. But what I am saying is from the second that she let go of that arm bar for the rest of the fight, it was all shields like shields immediately like got on top of her and like the referee's position kind of and was like punching her on the side of the head. The second round ended. Then the third round was just her dominating Elkins for the until the fight was stopped. And, and Elkins it's like out of nowhere, Elkins went from. No problem just, like, passing guard and taking her back and getting in full mount and and working all these submissions and landing all these strikes to all of a sudden she's just holding shields by one leg and just turtled up on the ground. Like, just, just all of a sudden she just doesn't know what to do on the ground anymore and shields is just punching her in the face over and over until the ref stops it. And I was like, what the hell just happened? Like, she... Elkins looked... Not, not like, not... <laughs> Elkins didn't look good because like, yeah. I think like you said of someone with like any jujitsu game would have sub shields like 10 different ways, but mm-hmm. it was just very strange to me that she literally had her in an arm bar and then just let go of it. And then from that point forward, it was all shields. So like, 
take that as you will. You know, it just is what it is. But now they're in a very, very, very strange spot because anybody with real skills on the ground is going to destroy Clarissa Shields. Like, Shields is going to have a chance to knock people out, obviously. But, like, anyone with any ground game that's better than Elkins is going to submit Clarissa Shields. So, and, and obviously the big question is, like, her and Kayla Harrison. Well, like, yeah. Kayla, oh, baby. Well, like, Carol, Kayla Harrison's going to beat her in like 10 seconds. Dude. Like, that's going to be so uncompetitive. But I think you have to do it next because. Really? I, because otherwise. You're, are you, you afraid? Yeah. I was going to say, are she, you afraid maybe she gets in there with someone and the, the, the luster may be gone? Well, exactly. I think, I think the next person Shields fights, she loses to. So you might as well have her lose to the person that's going to make the company the most money, get the most eyes on it, um, promote it as the under, you know, one and O MMA fighter, Clarissa Shields. She was the best female boxer in history and is still currently the champion in boxing. Like, yeah, it isn't like she just gave up boxing she's trying to do both uh, concurrently. So it's like, <clears throat> so that is badass that she's even attempting this. And, and it's also like, this would be like if Floyd Mayweather like actually got in the octagon. You know what I mean? Like that's how good Clarissa Shields in is in her world in in the female uh, boxing space. Like she is like the goat female boxer. So this is a really this is a she has a lot of balls for doing this to begin with. Like I have not nothing I'm saying is like a roast on Clarissa Shields at all. Correct. But 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 my thing is like knowing where she's at on the ground and seeing what Elkins could do with her. And was just unsuccessful for whatever reason. Anybody that's just a little bit better than Elkins, I think, is going to submit Clarissa Shields. So, like, you might as well capitalize now. And, like, at least if if Harrison goes out there and just murks her, then if she wants to continue to do MMA, like, she's already made the money from the big fight. You know, she can she can fight, like, a lesser-known person afterwards. And if she loses, then it's, like, not as big of a deal because at least, like, the Harrison fight has happened already. Um and the only other option I think you would have if you're Shields, the only other one I would say, and I and this is only an option because I know the PFL is okay with, uh, like, Kayla Harrison has been green-lighted to, you know, fight for Bellator also and stuff. Like, PFL is willing to work with other companies. It, the only other option I would say is if you can do Clarissa Shields versus Cyborg right now in Bellator. Like, that's the only other option because that's one where, like, Cyborg – can basically handshake agreement and say like we won't I won't take you to the ground like let's find out who the best striker is and mm. that's an interesting fight because if Shields and Cyborg just stand with one another then that's like that's interesting um now I think Cyborg and Shields train together so it's probably unlikely they'd fight no no I know sorry actually Shields and um Shields and Holm train together I don't think Cyborg trains with them so, no yeah I don't think so I don't think so anymore so that would be that would be an interesting one too but like that's the thing if you're shields you have to just you got to find the money fights that they're willing to do right now with big names because you don't want her going in there against some complete no name and getting submitted and then all this just doesn't happen you know what i mean yeah no it's yeah i mean again nothing to take away Uh, we've seen other fighters in that position that that clarissa was in of you know it'd have been easy to just to ride that out, uh, she she got the job done. Um, but I'm with you, man. It, it, uh, if there's not some big growth on the ground and whatnot, 
the best option may be something like that, maybe. I don't want to say exhibition-like, but you know what I'm saying? There, with rules, um, uh, agreed-upon rules maybe leading to something a little different might be the move there. But, uh, but yeah, it, it. I mean, after that performance, you know, us being excited for, for Shields and Harrison, it's like you're saying, uh, you know, um, at this point, I, uh, I don't know, man. That, I, the money... The money I'd be putting on that one would be, does this make out of the first round? And I'm maybe betting the farm on a no on that. Yeah, I feel the same way. Like, I I, I don't think it's even debatable that, like, I mean, Kayla Harrison was just, because the thing with Kayla Harrison is she's so legitimate anyway. Like, it isn't, it isn't just, like, her versus Shields. Like, I think Clarissa Harrison really, or I mean, Kayla Harrison, rather, is, is just, <laughs> it's just unfortunate there's no, like, real 155 division for her anywhere outside of the PFL because she has the skill and the talent and like just everything about her. Like, I think she's a, she's a real star in MMA and she just isn't going to have many opponents outside of PFL. Like, like, but you know, maybe, maybe one day her and her and cyborg or, or maybe her and Nunez one day or something like that, which would be awesome. But like outside of like the tippy top tier, I think Kayla Harrison works everyone. And so it's like, that's another thing where I'm like, this is nothing against Clarissa Shields. Like if this was straight boxing, Clarissa Shields would smoke Kayla Harrison. But like, we've seen what Shields looks like on the ground and Harrison would have no problem just throwing her into the ground and then doing whatever she wanted to her. So that's just kind of just where it's at. But, but once again, that's what I think they need to do. Cause like you just don't want hair. You don't want shields losing to, to a no name. And then like, then you have no option to do her and Harrison or her and cyborg or anything. Cause people just aren't going to be interested. Yeah. It's, it's a slippery slope after that. But as of right now, Clarissa shields want to know, very excited about the win. Happy for her. Like you, we keep saying a true champion, a, uh, the quote, I believe was her, right. The nickname. Yeah. The, the quote. So um, very interested to see what PFL does with her moving forward. The The last bit of, of fight talk we're going to get into this week. Boy, it was one for the ages. Me and you were on the same page on this one. Uh, Aaron Carter, Lamar Odom squaring up in a boxing ring um, with Chuck Liddell as the ref. Uh, my God. God, man, this is like this is just everything we wanted it to be. Um, Lamar Odom with a win. I think we all won though, right? We won. Yeah, this was like the greatest thing I've ever seen in combat sports. <laughs> like, like, and I got to give a shout out to Fight TV. They actually, I hit them up like right before the show, and I was like, basically, like, hey, like, I, I'm not gonna pay for this, but like, if y'all got a promo code for the Carter and, and Odom fight, I'll definitely watch it. And they hit me back with the promo code. I was like, thanks. So so they they hooked it up. So shout out to Fight TV for like letting me watch the fight. Um because there were people trying to roast me. They're like, you paid for that? And I'm like, no. <laughs> like I didn't actually. So um <laughs> but I got to watch it live off Fight TV. So um so yeah, I I mean I gotta give them the shout out for that though. Thank you to Fight TV very much for that. And uh, their their dude Joel over there on their social media, he's 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 great. He's actually already hooked it up um, for uh, the Silva and Chavez boxing match. He's got me code for that already, and so I'll be talking about that whenever that comes around. And then also for the next Triller boxing show, because Triller owns Fight TV now. So like 
now I've got some troller codes and stuff. So like Fight TV, I wanted to make sure to give them a, a good plug today. Um, y'all check it out. Like if you haven't seen the Aaron Carter versus Lamar Odom fight, yeah, I think it's actually worth the money if like you just want to be just like purely entertained and just have a good laugh. Because, oh my God. So I was watching that with my brother and I, I was gasping for air. I was laughing so hard. Like I couldn't, it was maybe the funniest thing I've ever watched. Like I, I was cackling. I was laughing so hard. Like my, I was holding my stomach. I couldn't breathe. Like I was falling over, like wheezing. I mean, that was just the funniest thing I've ever seen in combat sports. <clears throat> and I'm so glad I got to watch it. Um, and I keep forgetting Chuck Liddell was even involved. Like how sad is that when like, Chuck Liddell is like the least relevant of like Liddell, Lamar Odom, and Aaron Carter. And in in this moment, like that's just so so weird to me. But like, my God, that size difference alone. Like when they squared off initially, I lost it. Like I just started laughing uncontrollably. Like I couldn't stop. And then Aaron Carter comes out with, like, this combination where he just hits Lamar Odom in the head, like, ten times in a row, just swinging as hard as he can. And Odom is so tall and so, like, his his limbs are so long that, like, he can't just punch Aaron Carter from, like, where they're at because the Carter's too close. <laughs> so so Lamar, Odom, Lamar Odom's, like, you can see through their head, you know, Lamar Odom's, like, laughing while Aaron Carter's hitting him in the face. And then, and then Odom just pushes Carter, just just shoves him onto the ground. And Carter, God, that was funny. Then he starts like spinning around, like doing three sixties, because he doesn't know what to do. And Odom's just jabbing him in the face, and just, oh my God, that was so funny. That was so funny. Um, y'all need to watch it if you haven't already. That was that was top tier sports entertainment if I've ever seen it. Like that was. Oh my God! I want to see Aaron Carter. I, I want to see Aaron Carter versus CM Punk. I know people are like, "Oh, CM let's Punk go." Would kill him. Yeah, I mean, CM Punk would kill him, but like, at least, at least that's like that's, get a that's the type of he'd, he'd get a right. win. Exactly. Like that's the that's the level of competition CM Punk should have been fighting. Like, if we're being completely honest, like we saw what happened to him against Michael Jackson, the the journalist photographer. Yeah. Like, like he really should have been fighting like celebrities and. I honestly would love to see him and Aaron Carter. I think that'd be just so funny. They both have a similar striking technique, if I'm being honest. Um, but, but, um, yeah, that was that was. Oh my god, that was funny. So, um, yeah. I mean, do you have any thoughts on it? Did you get to watch it? I know you were doing. You were like working and stuff. Yeah. Like, did you get a chance to watch this at all? Or I mean, this was just. I was laughing so hard at this. It was so good. I did. I made a point to. I saw the gifts. Um, I made a point to go back and watch the full thing. Um, my my one thought is when Aaron Carter is just kind of rotating, I just had Carlos Condit's voice in my head saying, "So we're throwing spinning shit now," quoting <laughs> Nick Diaz. So uh, for me, as you know, I again great night of combat sports for both of us. I I hadn't laughed that hard in a long time. I enjoyed it. Uh, a great meme. I saw someone, um, someone took a screenshot and said what we wish, uh, Logan, Paul and, uh, <laughs> and Floyd was, or, or what, you know what I mean? It's just like, 
<laughs> it's I had a blast. You summed it up great, man. I had a blast. If you haven't seen any of this, somehow, if you have not seen any of these gifts or anything, search it out. Have a good laugh. Maybe have a couple drinks before. Um, someone also chops it up to that had that song "I Want Candy" playing while he was getting punched. That got just. Oh my god! There, I forgot to mention that when he was coming out to the ring. The fans were chanting, I want candy. And he was like, <laughs> and he was like doing like the Hogan, like, like ear cup thing, like to the crowd, like while they were chanting it. Like, oh my God. Like this is <clears throat> for anybody who has a problem with this type of stuff. I just don't, I think you just don't like good old fashioned fun because like this, this was not meant to be, I understand people have issues with like the Logan Paul Mayweather fight because like Mayweather's right. the, the best boxer arguably ever. And like Logan Paul's was Owen one and YouTuber and all that stuff. Like I, I, I enjoyed it. And I, I talked about that last week, but like, I understand the argument there with this. It's like, if you bought this and you were like, this is exactly what you should have been paying for. Like you, like there's no way you were expecting like some high level, back and forth like like high level boxing clinic between Aaron Carter and Lamar Odom like this is what it was supposed to be so I thought it was great and I'll also throw it out there real quick I didn't watch like hardly anything but I did see just one clip because <clears throat> I know there was a uh, a YouTubers versus TikTokers um card uh oh, this weekend okay okay but those guys actually went in there and fought no headgear with like eight or 10 ounce gloves or whatever. Like they went in there like pro pro boxing and I got them give them respect for that. Cause you know, Aaron Carter and Lamar Odom, they did the, like the 20 ounce gloves and the big thick ass headgear. So like no one was ever going to actually get hurt, but um, shout out to phase Jarvis. Cause this kid, I, I knew of him for the, um, Basically, when Fortnite got really, really popular, when, when like Ninja got like super, super famous through Fortnite, there was a few other streamers that were like close to that type of level of fame, and Jarvis was one of them. And he got banned from the game for using an aimbot. And it's a long story, but basically, he was doing it as like a way of showing people what it looked like when you cheated. Like he wasn't like cheating like actively. It was more of like mm -hmm. a "this is what it looks like when you use these things" type video. But he got, regardless, he got banned on, nonetheless, and he became like a big time like vlogger for Phase Clan, and became even more famous through like vlogging than he did through Fortnite, which is pretty amazing. Usually, when you get canceled out of a community like that, like it's hard to bounce back. Anyways, he looked fucking good in that boxing ring. Like, he fucked up. I, his opponent was this guy uh, named Michael Lee, who I've never heard of before. But Jarvis went in there, and, like, he was throwing crisp combos, and he knocked him out cold. Like, it wasn't any, like, BS, like, just pitter-patter. Like, Jarvis went in there and knocked this dude out. And I was like, that's what's up. Like, I like seeing that, too. Like, there's room for all of this. There's room for the... The people who are TikTokers that, you know, want to fight pro fights with no headgear. There's room for the Jake Paul level stars in this. There's room for the Aaron Carters <clears throat> because I think there's room for all of it because I'm not convoluting it in, in thinking that it's anything like the UFC or anything like, you know, seeing um, like Canelo Alvarez box or something. Like I fully understand these are completely different things. One is strictly entertainment cash grab. The other is an actual competitive sport. So, yes. like, you know, that's just how I look at it all. But I was I was thoroughly entertained by this stuff. 
Yeah, same man. I had a good time. I think you tweeted something like, you know, give me give me these kinds of carnies fights all the time and I'll watch. And I'm I may not a lot of people may not want to hear me admit this. I'm kind of with you. I would I'm I'm gonna watch. I'm in. Let's go. Uh CM Punk, Aaron Carter, <laughs> give me a rubber give me a trilogy of that. Let's do it. Yeah, and like I said, like and I give I I give CM Punk a lot of flack because of how bad his UFC run was, but like he like, he would beat the hell out of Aaron Carter. Like, don't get Facts. me wrong. Like, I'm I'm not gonna sit here and be like it would be competitive. But I'm just saying like that's the type of level of fight CM Punk should have been having based on his actual skill set. So gotcha. um so for the record, if that fight ever happened, I'm taking CM Punk for sure. You but, will watch and you <clears> will be with CM yes. Punk on that. <laughs> yes. But if Aaron Carter wins, I will mark out like crazy. <laughs> Um, and that fight will never happen, by the way, nor should it. But I'm just saying, like, if Punk wanted to actually fight anymore, this is the type of outlet I'd be looking at. I'd be looking at, like, <clears throat> you know, he's not going to go from the UFC to celebrity boxing. It's just too big of an ego yeah. um, draw. But, like, you know, if he he could be very successful in this space, though. He really could. Like, if he went into if he like if he boxed Lamar Odom, I don't know how well he does, if I'm being honest. Um, Lamar Odom with his size, I think, would actually be a problem for CM Punk, even though Lamar Odom's boxing skills were garbage. But, um, but yeah. Anyways, that's how I feel about all of it. I'm, I'm, I'm 100 down for. I mean, hell, last year I was hyped up for fucking Bagel Boss doing celebrity boxing, and you know he no showed. But you know, at least Aaron Carter made the walk, so I got to give him credit there. <laughs> Good stuff, man. Yeah, we're uh, having a little bit of fun. Hope y'all did too. We're gonna be back. Next week, of course, we're going to be chopping it up, talking about what happens on the Korean Zombie Dan Ige card this Saturday over on ESPN2. And uh, and we're going to be looking forward to the following Saturday, uh, June 26th from the Apex, the main event. We're going to have Surreal gone in there with Alexander Volkov, heavyweight scrap with some definite stakes. And we're looking real far ahead. We are officially less than a month away from UFC 264, Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor, round three. We've also got Gilbert Burns on that card, Fighting Wonderboy, Carlos Condit, Max Griffin, Sh- Sugar Sean O'Malley's in there with Louis Smolka, Greg Hardy, Taya Tuvasi. So uh, July 10th, creeping up, man. Uh, big main event, big uh, big pay-per-view to be talking about. But, um, but yeah, another great week. Uh, can't wait to be back on it next week, man. Anyone uh, that hasn't or would like to, please follow me over on Twitter at most KOBK. And uh, and again, man, I just it's good to uh, to get in here and have a little bit of fun on a Monday with you, bro. Yeah, man. As always, appreciate you. Um, if y'all want to follow me, Twitter fight talk underscore f i g h t t a l k underscore. I'll just keep everything I got going on updated there throughout the week and. Um, <coughs> Try to clear my throat this whole fucking show, but uh, um, fight talk on uh, on IWTV. If you want to watch some good professional wrestling, go to independentwrestling.tv or IWTV.live. Use code fight talk F I G H T T A L K, and uh, and yeah, that helps me and Moe's and the whole show out. And also shout out to Music City Toys and Collectibles, place to be for all um action figures autographs, DVDs, any kind of pro wrestling memorabilia you can think of. They also have other sports stuff and, and Ninja Turtles and, and all that kind of stuff. Awesome collectibles store. 
Uh, their online stuff is great. Make sure to give them a follow at Music City Toys. Check out their new website at musiccitytoys.biz and check out their new retail location at 101 West Main Street in Waterton, Tennessee. That's W-A-T-E-R-T-O-W-N, Tennessee. Tennessee. Um, and uh, yeah, check out the retail location because it's badass. Uh, they're For nice sure. people. They give you fair business. Yeah, yeah. Music City Toys and Collectibles. Thank you as always for uh, being a, a supporter of all the stuff we got going on. So that's everything I've got, Mose. Anything from you before we sign off? Uh, Lamar Odom beat Aaron Carter in boxing. I don't know if we, if you've heard that, but that happened. <laughs> it did happen, absolutely. And if you guys are into the Mighty Ducks and or the Mighty yes. Ducks Game Changers. Um, you can check out the podcast I did with Joe Holbert, SP3, and Jeremy Lambert. It is available on twitch.tv slash Fightful Gaming, as well as the new Fightful Scraps you- uh, geez, YouTube channel. The new Fightful Scraps YouTube channel. Um, so, yeah, I got links up on uh, my Twitter there as well. Once again, at Fight Talk underscore. So, once again, for jumping Johnny Mosley, I've been Steven Jensen. We'll be back next week talking some more mixed martial arts. <laughs>